Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Can we give our dads a hand? Well, happy Father's Day. I am so glad to be with you. But I also have to be honest with you for just a second. This is my seventh day in a row in church. So a couple weeks ago, the network of churches that we are a part of, the leader of it called and said, hey, can you come help us with our regional events that we're having? And I said, well, which one? And he said, all of them. And I said, well, there's, there's 10 services over six days in four cities. Which one do you need help with? All of them. So we, I got back in town last night. We were in Oakland. We were in Fresno. We were in Bakersfield. And then we finished up yesterday in Irvine. And so today is seven days in a row of being in church. And uh, I have to say, honestly, there's no place that fills my bucket and fills my heart more than this one right here. So I'm so glad, glad to be with my home family, the home team. But happy Father's Day. I am excited about today. My girls are chomping at the bit to give me my, my Father's Day stuff, and so I can't wait today to get that. But the, Na- the National Retail Federation keeps track of holiday trends, and so they, they tell you the top 10 holidays that are in the United States. And no surprise, Father's Day spending is nowhere near Mother's Day spending. It's just, it's just not there, but we cracked the top 10. We're the seventh largest in the nation as far as retail spending. We didn't make the top five, but okay. It, it's difficult to beat that whole like childbirthing portion, right? But we were a part of the journey, the fun part at least. I mean, we were in the journey with you. But dads are known for so many different things. Unsolicited advice sarcastic responses, dad jokes, the inability to be wrong, and the the mastery of being able to communicate through grunts. Like we just, we're known for a lot of different things, but in all honesty, if you had a father figure, you know the impact that a dad can have on your life. You know the impact that's there, and there's so much power in being a father, especially a good one. There's value there. And as men, we face so many challenges and we face so much pressure, whether it's from culture or whether it's from the way that we are raised. And we, we try to navigate this to the very best of our ability. And the reality is that we've all seen the impact of a father who withholds love or a father who refuses to give that affirmation that a child needs. And you see the impact that that has for years and years to come. We get to choose what our legacy is, the legacy that we'll leave. Luckily for me, my father was one who was one of the most amazing role models I have ever known. And and I grew up in a home where he held me to a high standard, but he also shared his love and his affection and his approval for me on a regular basis. I had this balance. He taught me the value of hard work and integrity and passion 
He showed me what it was like to live with a willingness to sacrifice deeply for those that you love. But he also raised me with a competitive side. This idea of everybody getting a trophy, dad would not do well in that situation, raising kids there. There was a value to winning and a lesson to be learned from losing. That was his philosophy in life. And, and one of my favorite memories of my dad was on a trip to the island that my family is from, Utella. And those of you who've been around for a while, you, you probably remember this story, but it's one of my all-time favorites. So we were, we were there, and we were doing a, a missionary trip there and, and serving some people. And uh, our, our kind of overseer, our director within the network that we were a part of, he was out there with us, and we'd gone out snorkeling and and this guy was just like fascinated by sand dollars. Like he just, he just couldn't let it go. And so we were pretty far out and we were, we were diving and snorkeling and looking at the beautiful reef that's out there. And he saw us a, a, a little patch down at the bottom. It was, it was probably about 30 feet deep. And he was like, I, he was destined to get one of these sand dollars down there. And he had all the best gear. He looked the part. But he got about 12 feet down, he back up to the top. He just could not do it. And at the time, I had just graduated high school. I was in the best shape of my entire life. And I said, well, which one do you want? And my dad goes, listen to this dude. Which one do you want? Like, what do you think you're going to dive down there and get? What is, boy, you crazy. Challenge accepted. Thank you, sir. That's all I need, a little motivation. So I dived down 30 feet underwater with snorkel, grabbed the sand dollar. I'm drowning, by the way, just so you know. But I'm not going to be told that I can't do this. So I'm drowning on the way up, trying to act all calm in the last two feet before I pop through the water. And as I break the surface of the water, all I see is flippers going down. Well, who do you think that was? My dad. My dad was like, this little boy, this little punk ain't going to show me up here in front of this man. He dives down there, and he gets one. He comes back up, and we're both, like, breathless looking at each other, both knowing we almost killed ourselves. <laughs> we just, we, we know that neither one of us had any business trying to do what we just did. And so we're, we're laughing at each other. We're, we are all into this, and, and the, the overseer looks at us, and he goes, so your family's not competitive at all. N not at all, right? And so it was just this moment for us. But the reality is, you know that as men, as women, as leaders, we have to be willing to fight for something. We have to be willing to risk, to push, to press for those things that matter the most. And for each of us, a lot of those things are similar but individually, there are some unique things within each of our lives that we realize that we have to fight for that matters maybe just to us, and it doesn't matter as much to everyone else. But I believe there's two things that we must fight for, and Father's Day is a perfect opportunity for us to navigate that and talk about it together. And it's this. You'll see this on the screen and in your notes. We all must be willing to fight for our character and for our purpose. We all must be willing to fight for our character and our purpose. 
And so today we're going to look at two guys from the, the Old Testament, from the beginning of the Bible, named Shammah and Benaiah. And these two guys, their stories will hopefully challenge you to, to take some steps in your life today, to take some steps to fight for those things that matter. And, and we're going to head to 2 Samuel 23, and we have to fast forward to the end of King David's life, and we get to meet some of these incredible men who helped make him the leader that he was. King David got all of the fame, but these dudes, these dudes helped him reach the pinnacle of his purpose. They came alongside of him, and their stories are now documented in the most read book in the history of the world. And so in 2 Samuel 23, it says this in verse 11. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Let's get a little context here. So the, the Philistines had gathered at Lehi and they were attacking the Israelites and everyone else ran away except for Shammah. Everyone else ran, but he held his ground and he ended up winning the battle. But the bigger point in this time was this had become a habit of Israel. That whenever the Philistines would gather against them, they would just peace out. It didn't matter what they were leaving behind. It didn't matter. They, they would rather run away than to lose. They would rather run away than to fight. So they panicked and they ran away. They didn't see this piece of land as valuable enough to risk. They're like, nah, bro, I'm out. I don't, I'm not going to die trying to protect this field. It's not worth it to me. But Shammah saw something so valuable that he was willing to risk his life. He challenges us with this truth, that character trumps convenience. Character trumps convenience. It would have been really convenient to just let the Philistines have the field. It would have been a lot easier to just surrender what they had worked so hard for and live to fight another day. It would have been easy to just say, hey, you guys can have this one. We'll, we'll catch you on the next one. But Shaman said, no, not today. Today, I'm going to stand here, and I'll fight, even if it's by myself. And family, there are some areas of your life that you have plowed the ground. You have planted the seed. You have worked hard. You have gone through the difficult seasons. You, that you've put blood, sweat, and tears into this area of your life. And there are days when you stand in the center of the field of your life and you feel surrounded by enemies. You feel surrounded by pressure, surrounded by adversity, surrounded by struggle, surrounded by chaos, surrounded by so many things. And quietly, the enemy of your character wants you to think this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. It isn't worth it for me to, to be ridiculed for living a different life. It isn't worth it for me to work this hard and feel like we're moving this slow. It's, it's not worth the sacrifices. My kids would be okay if I chose the easy wrong over the hard right this time. My wife would be okay if I, if I chose what was convenient more than what builds my character this time. We hear those voices in our hearts, and, and sometimes we give up 
just before the breakthrough is coming. When the battlefield is the hardest is when the breakthrough is the closest. And so many times we say it's just not worth it. We give up the fight. But you see, the only way that the enemy wins is if he can convince you to give up. Think about it. Why would the enemy of your character be attacking if what you were doing wasn't valuable? Why, why would the enemy be working so hard to derail you? Why would the enemy work, be working so hard to, to plant seeds of doubt in your, in your heart? Why would the enemy be feeding lies about God and, and how God feels about you to you if what you were doing didn't actually matter? Why would you be a target? And it leads us to this truth. Your character becomes a target the moment your purpose becomes a threat. Your character becomes a target the moment you start to step into your purpose. And the purpose that God has planted in your life, the purpose that God has created you with from the time you were in your mother's womb, is a threat to him. And when you start to step into your purpose, when you start to live on mission, when you start to say, hey, my character is far more valuable than the convenience of doing this thing, all of a sudden, the enemy has to take notice. All of a sudden, the battles start to get a little bit harder. Because if you weren't stepping into your purpose, if you weren't taking back territory, if you weren't living on mission, if you weren't doing something that's actually making a difference in the life of people, why would the enemy of your soul even bother you? Wouldn't he just make the path ahead of you easier if you're going as far away from God's plan as possible? Wouldn't, be, wouldn't making money be a whole lot easier if you didn't do it in a way that was filled with integrity? Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to choose the easy wrong over the hard right? Ask yourself, if you're making the decision to try to be a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better spouse, a better friend, do you think God is the one whispering to you, don't do that. It's not worth it. I don't think so. He's the one that's spurring you on to hold the ground to fight the battle, to trust a little bit longer. But it's easier to cave and just give up our ground. And I, and I thought about this. I'm, I don't know about you, and I'm not trying to hate on anybody, okay? So just, you know I'm a foodie, so I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect your life here, okay? So, but I'm always shocked at the lines at Taco Bell. Every time I pass a Taco Bell, I'm like, who, who is, why? Everyone knows it's not good for you. Everyone knows it's probably not real meat. It's probably not. But it's convenient and it's available. And, and the only thing that really matters to the people who are in line at Taco Bell is you didn't have to make the food. 
It's really the only thing. It's convenient. There's nobody that can tell me, oh, it's delicious. It's the best thing I've ever had. Have you had a real taco? It's not the same. We know the food isn't quality, but we know there's a good chance. We know there's a good chance it wasn't made with care. But it's convenient. And it's easy. Look, we, we cannot allow convenience to be more important than our character. And I'm not saying if you eat Taco Bell, you're not worried about your character. I'm not, don't, don't draw those lines together. I'm just saying we can separate the two. When it comes to your character, it's not worth leaning into convenience. You have to ask yourself, what is the field that you need to stand strong in? What is that field that you need to fight for, even if it's just you? Even if your spouse isn't ready to fight for that same field yet, what ground do you need to stand and fight for that you know in the end truly matters? And those around you will eventually see it. No one else may recognize the worth of fighting for that little field, but God does, and he honors it. The second dude that I told you about is a guy named Benaiah, and his story is spread throughout this section of scripture, and it's, it's just so many impactful things that he's done, and his story is a, is a massive one. But one of my favorite parts of his story is found in one single verse, and Benaiah's story that, I, that we're going to look at today is in 2 Samuel 23, 20. The Bible says, there is also Benaiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, side note, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and he killed it. I'm sorry, what? Let's just process this for a second. Let's just process the story and how this would happen. Beniah is going for a stroll through the woods, I'm assuming, on a snowy day, and all of a sudden he hears a bush rustle. I don't know about you, but I'm out like an Olympic sprinter. Like, I'm gone. Whoop. Nope, not today, devil. It's not going to happen. And the worst case scenario happens. It's not a rabbit. It's not some small animal. A lion jumps out of the bush. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was like a cartoon. Like, they looked at each other, and they both just kind of had a panic moment of, like, why are we both here? But the lion runs away, and somehow slips and falls, he must have been drunk, into a pit, and he's down there. Benaiah comes over to the edge of the pit, and he looks in, and there's, there's two glowing eyes looking back up at him. Yeah, it's a lion. He's trapped. I'm going home. I'm going to tell the world about how, man, I came face to face with a lion, but he fell in a pit. What does Benaiah do? takes a few steps back and runs and jumps into the pit. A roar, a scream, and then silence. Surely, the next thing that we see on the movie screen is a lion walking out with an arm in its mouth like Jurassic Park. Like this, That's the only way when man meets lion Lion eats a manwich. Like, that's the only way that the story ends. But instead, Benaiah climbs out of this pit, dragging a lion that's dead. 
what kind of dude is this? Like, could you imagine? He survives and he, he, he comes out. It's this unbelievable, when he, when he eventually interviews for the position to be King David's bodyguard, who could beat that resume? Who could beat that resume? Yeah, there's one day this lion came up on me. I jumped in a pit and I killed it. Oh, okay, well, you win the job. Welcome to the FBI. I'm so glad that you're here. It's over. But ask yourself, why was he willing to take this risk? Why was he willing to do this? And I actually think it's really simple. And it's something that Benaiah understood that we could learn. It's in your notes. There are parts of your purpose that require embracing the risk in order to discover the reward. There are parts of your purpose that you're not going to get to by holding on to safety. There's parts of the purpose that God has deposited in your life that requires you to do some things that everybody else goes, what are you doing? I feel like God wants me to do this. That's crazy. That's okay. There comes a point in your story where the safe, where the easy, where the uncomplicated hits the end of the line, and sometimes you have to jump into a pit with a roaring lion in order to see the full weight of the purpose that God has deposited in your life. Benaiah was doing this crazy act because I think he understood that he, he had big dreams. He had big aspirations. He wanted to do something with his life. No one in their right mind would think, let me jump into a pit with the lion just because I'm bored today. No, there was a purpose behind it for him. He saw purpose on the other side of that challenge. He didn't see the, the interaction with the lion as some happenstance. He saw it as a divine moment where God was challenging his faith. Now, I wouldn't see it that way. I would have ran away. But Benaiah said, no, 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 no. God's doing something here. I could walk away from this, but I'm not. I could, I could just take and go, whoo, I dodged a bullet there. But Benaiah said, no. God brought this line across my path for a reason. And I'm not going to miss that reason today. So he jumps into a pit with him. You see, so many times we talk about faith in the church, but there's something deeper than faith. It's trust. There's something deeper than faith. It's trust. You might have faith that God can show up for you, but do you trust he will? You might have faith that God has a plan for your life, but do you trust the plan when it shows up in front of your face? There's a difference between faith and trust. In fact, there was a, a, a professional tightrope walker. His name was Nick Walinda, who was, he's famous for tightroping across the Niagara Falls. Before one of his performances, he asked some nearby people, he says, do you think I can do it? And they all screamed, yes. And he said, okay, who wants to go with me? No one. Why? Because I can believe that you can do it but I don't trust that you could do it through me. 
I, I, I have all the faith in the world that, that you could cross that little tiny rope across the Niagara Falls, but I'm not going to get on that rope. We do the same exact thing with our faith journey. God, I have faith that you could do miraculous things. We were just singing about it. Woo! Dead things come to life. But what about the dead things in your life? Do you believe they actually can come to life? Those dead dreams, those dead relationships, those, those things that you feel like it's, it, it's over, the pulse is gone, it's done. There's a difference between having faith that God can do something and having trust that he's going to do it through you. And so it's a challenge for us. And it leads us to this truth. If, if we ever hope to make a lasting impact, we have to be willing to move out of a life of safety and step into trust. I love the story of Peter walking on the water. The story is Jesus comes up walking on the water and, and the disciples in the boat, because it was, it was a stormy night, they, they feel like he's a ghost that's coming. They freak out and Jesus goes, chill out, it's just me. And Peter says, I, I want to do what you're doing. And Jesus says, come on, step out of the boat, get on the water. All the disciples are, are challenging him, don't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to drown. You're crazy. Don't step out of the boat. And guess what? He did fail. He did fall. He did end up needing to be rescued by Jesus. But I think Jesus would much rather a wet follower than a dry one who was too scared to get out of the boat. I think Jesus would rather, hey, you took a few steps on the water there because your trust was in me. Then you started to look at the waves and all of a sudden it wavered. That's okay. You got out of the boat. Dudes dry in the boat are like, ha, oh, I told you he fell. But he also walked on water. Who else in history can say that? Jesus? Peter. At some point in our life, we have to understand that God is calling us out of the boat. And yeah, we might trip up. Yeah, we might fall. Yeah, we might fail. Yeah, we might plunge underneath the water. But Jesus is always there to pick us up. He wants you out of the boat. He wants you to have more than faith. He wants you to have trust to believe that he can do it in and through you. I love the words as we get ready to wrap up here of the author of Hebrews 12. The writer is finishing talking about these stories of faith <clears throat> in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Sorry. In verse 1, he says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and our expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. The author of Hebrews would look at Shama and Benai and say, they got it. They get it. They didn't compromise their character. 
They didn't let safety become a roadblock to their destiny. They didn't let fear hold them back. They didn't let the opinions of others keep them from stepping into their purpose. Their faith was perfected in their obedience. Their faith was perfected in their obedience. Their story was written because their purpose was greater than their fears. And you and I have that same exact opportunity. Dads, we live in a world that is desperate for men of integrity. A world that's desperate for men of faith. A world that is desperate for men of courage. We need it. And God is calling us today to step up. He's calling us today to fight for what matters most. Our families need us to fight for our character, but your kids need to see you fight for your purpose. Your kids need to see you willing to risk because your trust in God is so deep and so strong that it moves them to trust God for more than what he's doing in your life. I don't want my girls to grow up going, my dad was awesome, he was there, but he settled. He had so much more that he could have done, but he settled. I want my girls to grow up and go, my dad was a crazy man. He trusted that God could do anything. And sometimes God did it. And sometimes he failed, but he had the courage to get up and keep fighting for that field. He had the courage to step out of the boat. He had courage to, to step out and say, hey God, I see this vision, I see this purpose that you're calling me to, and I may stumble on the way, but I'm not gonna stop until I get there. Our world is desperate for some leaders like that. Every one of us, man, woman, we have the opportunity to do that. But men, we're called to lead first. It's our responsibility. It's our God-given responsibility as the head of our homes to lead not only ourselves, but lead in a way that brings our family to the cross. It brings our family to Jesus. It brings our family to a place where their hope and their trust and their feeling of safety is not just in us, but it's in Jesus. We have the opportunity to do that. We choose the legacy that we leave. Well, my kids are grown. It's not too late. My kids don't live with me anymore. It's not too late. Start today communicate it. Hey, I'm working even harder now at 60 years old to step into my character and step into my purpose. And I just want you as my kids to be praying with me. Start today. Let them be a part of the journey with you. And if your kids are in your home, definitely start today. We have a challenge before us. The author of Hebrews challenged us with these last two things. What weight do you need to cut for your character? 
what weight do you need to cut? Those wounds, those sins, those habits, those beliefs, those mistakes, those insecurities. And finally, what fear do you need to let go of for your purpose? What fear do you need to let go of for your purpose? We have an opportunity, family. Step out of the boat. Be a follower of Jesus that's willing to get wet in the water, even if we drown for a second. But he's going to be there to pick us up. But let's be the leaders who are willing to step out of the boat rather than be afraid to step into our purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. I thank you for the story of these two crazy dudes in the Old Testament. Shama who fought when no one else was willing to fight. Benaiah who didn't miss his opportunity or his purpose. And Jesus, I pray right now for the fathers in the room. I pray that you would just place a special anointing over their lives. That you would fill them with a courage that shakes the world around them. That you would fill them with a boldness to trust you in a way that they never have before. Jesus, I pray that you would move on their lives in a way that their families, they, they see them set on fire by you. The people around them would see the flames burning. They would see the light that is radiating off of their lives because of the impact that you're having on them. God, I call out greatness in them. I silence the lies of the enemies of, of maybe it was a father who didn't give them the affirmation that they need. We silence it because the father of all fathers says, I love you and I am with you and I'm for you. God, I speak against the enemy of their lives that says you can't do it, it's too late. We silence those lies. Character and purpose will be the calling cards of our lives from this moment forward. Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray for our church family. Would you let our church, would you let our lives be marked by a courage that not only has faith that you can do the impossible, but we trust that you will. That you would move in our lives in a way you never have before. And we'll see your hand at work in ways we could never imagine. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.